There is nothing quite in the world like being with a three-year-old when you are pressed for time. <laughs> Yesterday afternoon, I was in a hurry and getting ready to go to a dinner party, and we stopped by Mill Valley Flowers to pick up a small bouquet for our hosts. My daughter was with me, and we get to Mill Valley Flowers, and immediately she begins with the relentless questions. You know, why are we here to buy some flowers? Why are we buying flowers? Because there's a dinner party tonight. Are those flowers for mommy? No, they're for our host tonight. Why? Because we've been invited and it's a nice thing to take some flowers to a party. Why? Because that's what we're doing. Oh, sweet pea, please don't touch that tulip. If you, if you ruin it, we'll have to buy it. Why? And then she climbs under the table with the register on it. Can you come out of there? Why? Daddy, I'm hungry. Can we get some ice cream? Why? Then I get her to the car and I get her buckled in and of course we're going to drop her off at her babysitter's and immediately she falls asleep. No one has a lock on human nature quite like a three-year-old does. We spend much of our lives asking questions, and we should. We are blessed by being part of a tradition where questions are welcome. But today's readings take us one step further into the life of faith and that is to a place where after we have asked our questions and after we have been invited into the mystery of life, we are asked to take a profound step of faith and that is to trust deeply in the God who loves us, the God who saves us, the God who will never leave us alone. The image of the Good Shepherd is very deep in the Judeo-Christian tradition. It goes back at least as far as King David and probably back further. And the authors of the story of David's call to be the first great king over Israel is a story about a boy who is not at home when the prophet Samuel comes to find the next king. And he goes through all of the sons of Jesse, beginning with the eldest, down to the youngest, and God says, no, none of these. And having run out of sons, Samuel asked Jesse, is there not another son? And Jesse said, well, yes, there's David. He's out tending the flocks. He's out being a shepherd. And, of course, the irony is not lost on the authors, nor is it to be lost on us. The call of David as a shepherd for his people is to embrace that image of a faithful one who is known and who knows the people. And they follow him because they trust him. That is an image that later on is passed on to the prophets because kings, as we know, 
don't last forever and are not perfect, and the prophets take up the mantle of shepherd. And then later, some of the priests, as they restore the traditions of the people when they come back from the exile in Babylon. But even underneath that, in Scripture, is a foundational understanding that God is the shepherd of shepherds. God is the ultimate good shepherd, the one who made us, the one who knows us and loves us more deeply than any other. And not just as individuals, of course, but for us as a community. This is the image that the author of John then takes up as he takes a look at the risen Christ at work amongst a small Christian community late in the first century, struggling in some ways as we struggle, struggling with identity in a world that does not completely understand them. And the words of Christ to them are, I am the good shepherd. I know you. You know me. You recognize my voice and I am at work among you. It's an image that is, yes, meant to be comforting, meant to invite us into radical trust, something that all of us who lead lives of faith struggle with in one way or another. Most of us find it harder to trust others than to be trustworthy ourselves. It is one of the hardest things to give our lives over into the hands of someone else. Because most of us, once we get beyond that questioning, that inquisitorial age of three, discover that there are people in the world we cannot trust. And we have to learn over and over again how to trust, how to give ourselves over completely and to understand a love that is more gracious, more filling, more beautiful than anything we can imagine for ourselves. More than that, we have to learn how to give those we love over to that same trust, over to the life and love of the Good Shepherd. That is one of our great callings and one of the great narratives that is raised for us during Eastertide. Now, when Mari was first born, she grunted. Some infants do that, you know. It's how they get their lungs to open up right after their birth. The nurses and doctors with all of their training in 21st century medicine were quite alarmed by this. But the thing was, Daniel had done the same thing when he was born. So I was less worried about it. But the nurses and doctors would have nothing from the dad. And so they picked up Mari and they took her to the neonatal unit on the same floor, let my wife rest for about an hour, and they put Mari under the incubator lamps and poked and prodded her for the better part of an hour. And I had to face concerned face after furrowed brow, worried and wondering what was going on as she grunted with each breath. 
and they tested her oxygen level and her bilirubin. They took blood samples. They checked her temperature. They did everything they could. And I kept saying, you know, her brother did the same thing. It's going to be okay. Till one of the nurses got so annoyed with me, she said, it isn't normal, she said. <coughs> then finally, after they had poked and prodded her for all that time, they finally threw up their hands and they said, well, everything looks fine. There's nothing more we can do. And I said, can I hold my daughter now? They said, sure. So I picked her up, held her in my arms, and what's, what happened? She stopped grunting. She stopped, started to breathe normally. And that's when I understood this image of the Good Shepherd. It's an image that is very deep in our DNA. It's very much a part of who we are. It is that love of a parent for a newborn, that tender mercy that lifts us up completely and holds us and enfolds us in love so that we may breathe easily so that we may be at rest. That is the invitation for us to be held like a newborn infant in the loving hands of the Good Shepherd, the one who made us, the one who saves us, the one who will not leave us alone. And to trust fully in that love. Because when we trust fully, we are liberated from all that binds us. And more than that, we can love others fully. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.